And praise be to God for it. Well, good morning. You know, several uh, months ago, we were praying about our, our Easter season. And, and as we prayed through that, uh, this, this start of this series right now, we, we landed on a title called The Week That Changed the World. And, uh, you know, honestly, if you'd have told me on that, uh, on that day that we landed on this series title that the day before we would start, the mayor of Tulsa would issue an edict that um, we should shelter in place. If, if you would have told me at that time that we would be at a time in our nation's history where it would be so drastic that they would cancel schools and March Madness and uh, the NBA season, I would have said, you're nuts. No way would that happen. If you'd have told me that our churches would be, and our, our nation would be in such a difficult uh, situation that our churches would have to meet online all over the nation, I would say, you're smoking something. Uh, there's no way that would happen. But, but here we are. And, 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 you know, it's interesting. The other day we were telling our kids uh, sitting around our, our table that, that one day they will look back on this time in their lives and, and they would tell their kids how, how the world changed when, when COVID-19 hit. And, and truly, we are in historic times. And, but in the midst of that, I, I'll tell you what, um, God has something to say. And, and, and these, um, these days are incredible. And in the midst of the challenges, here we are uh, figuring out uh, how to gather together. And I'm thankful for those that are, are gifted in our church. And we have a small crew here at the church today. Um, but, but I'll tell you, just like I've said over and over again as I've prayed about this moment, though this room is empty, our church is packed. And we're thankful that you're joining us today. And it's been, uh, you know, I'm grateful that we're rising to the challenges and accepting uh, this challenge before us. And, and groups all over have been meeting this morning. Uh, we had 92 students that met together uh, to study uh, their, their lesson today and just in the Word of God today. We had groups trying to figure out the, the just getting together, though we're learning issues with Zoom and how to manage our microphones and all those things. Uh, I'll tell you what, we're figuring it out. We're figuring out how to meet together. I appreciate Brad and, and all of our group leaders. And, and you know, even today, it's interesting because I, I know there are a lot of guests joining us online, and I want you to know that you're welcome to, to join us. As those scripture, as, as those pictures uh, in the in the five minute uh, uh, pre uh, countdown, the, the scriptures or excuse me, pictures were scrolling, and as those pictures were scrolling, I just my my heart hurt because I miss uh, the FaceTime, I miss the the physical time, and 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 one of the things I'm praying is that is that we learn through this season that that online connection is not going to be enough for us. Uh, we need to be together, and and so let's. I long for the, that day that we can come back as a as a roomful and and as a church body and come together and. And, you know, it's amazing how, how God has brought, uh, you know, moved us for several years ago to be one church in multiple locations, in two locations. 
And now our, both of our locations, Calvary and Owasso, are coming together in, in this worship service. And, and we're so grateful. And if you're joining us today, and, 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 and I know some of you are not in our community and you're watching today, and we're so glad. But some of you are in our community and you're watching today. And I, and I want you to realize that God has put our church in your life, in your city, in your community, where you can join us. And we, we want you to join us online, absolutely. But we also uh, want to see you. We want to know you. And God has put us in relationship together. And I, and I pray that you jump into that with us. And, and you know, when, when it comes to our, our church, we're in Matthew 21 today. And, and, uh, and we're, we're really diving into the week that changed the world. Because though this COVID-19 issue has, has changed our world, let me tell you something, it doesn't compare to the moment that we're going to look at in Matthew 21. This has changed our life for a little while in the United States, but let me tell you something. Matthew 21 started the week that changed history. It changed our history, and it's continuing to change history. And, and can, I, can I just ask you, even though we have these barriers of, of looking at each other through a screen or you're looking at me, um, the reality is God can change your history. And maybe God has brought you to us this morning because He's calling you. He's moving in you. And this uncertainty that you're facing, I want you to know there are some certainties that we can understand because of Jesus. And so with that, there's confidence that we have. There's hope that we have. Even though right now in our, um, there's so much fear. I loved it that Joe just saying, we're no longer slaves to fear. And, and I see that. I feel that every time someone coughs. We look, oh no, is this... Do I have that virus? And the reality is we don't have to be a slave to fear because Christ gives us hope, even in the midst of uncertainty. And this is what Jesus has done for us. And in Matthew 21, it's, it's such a, a powerful passage. For the next three weeks, we're going to turn the camera on several highlights in the last week of Jesus' life on the earth. And, and I think God has some, some very specific things to say to us. Now, now, here's the reality. As I look at the landscape, it looks like Easter Sunday we will be meeting like this. But, but I'll tell you, this will not minimize the powerful fact that Jesus conquered the grave and that we have this news to share with the world. And I'm praying that God uses this Easter, though it, it's likely uh, an Easter like none of us have ever experienced before. I pray that's true for, for many, many of us that are watching, that this is an Easter like you've never experienced before because you can come to know our Savior and know the hope that he gives. And I'll tell you, this, this, for the next several weeks, we're going to look at, at, at this last week in Jesus' life. And this is important because the fact remains that, that the, 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 the death and the bodily resurrection of Christ was, was the greatest miracle that was ever, ever experienced in, in humanity, in human history. And, and by his resurrection, what, what does Jesus do? He proves once and for all that his promise is real, that eternal life is a reality. And, and, and when it comes to the resurrection of Christ, I want us all to see today that, that, that this is the central theme of our faith. This is the core of our lives. This is the core of the hope that we have. And, and I want you to think about it. 
the resurrection of Christ is so important that, that Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, 13 through 19, that if the resurrection of Christ did not happen, then we should be pitied of, all, of, of the most of all people. That if the resurrection of Christ didn't take place, then, then nothing matters. But folks, I, I want you to know today, the resurrection of Christ did take place. And Jesus did, in fact, rise from the dead. There was an empty tomb. And, and there is a risen Savior. And we know this because this was a moment in history. Uh, this was a moment in time that Jesus conquered the grave. And there were eyewitnesses that saw it. And, and, and these eyewitnesses that, that saw Christ after he was crucified, it completely changed their lives. It changed the lives of their friends. And, and you know what? We see this today. I mean, I mean, it's continuing. Jesus is still changing people's lives. We are some of those who are standing before you as, as men and women, uh, young boys and girls and teenagers, and that, that, that we, are, we are testimonies of changed lives because Christ has saved us. He has washed our sins away. And, and, and we've had experiences with the Lord, and, and we're having that now where God's giving us strength and hope. You know, I know I, I'm grateful. On, on Thursday, we, my family got on our knees and prayed for my cousin Elizabeth, who is uh, in Oklahoma City, and she's at Baptist Hospital right now. And, and Thursday night was a dark night for her. And at 5 o'clock, people all over the world, literally all over the world, were praying for her. I sent the word out through the International Mission Board and our missionaries around the world and, and because Elizabeth grew up as a missionary kid in Brazil. And, and Clayton and Lita, my aunt and uncle, were missionaries uh, with the Foreign Mission Board, the International Mission Board, our, our mission, uh, mission agency in Southern Baptist life. And they served in Brazil for 18 years faithfully. And Elizabeth grew up there. And, and, and we got on our knees and prayed and and you know, she's been really, really sick, but she is improving. And I thank you for the many text messages and, 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 and inquiries about Elizabeth. She's, she's still nauseous, but she's improving. And, and let me tell you something, this is just evidence that God hears our prayer. Now, uh, when you look at Matthew 21, let's look at this because this passage has something to say to us. And, and, and God has something to to communicate to us today through his word. And, and when you think about this, this moment as Jesus enters Jerusalem, you know, no one can escape the fact that Jesus was the most influential person in history. Now, now I saw at research the other day, there was a list of, of the 100 most influential people in the world, and, and Jesus was right there at the top, near the top. And they had other suggestions, but I would argue that there's nobody that impacted the world more than Jesus. Now, what's interesting about that is, is Jesus claimed to be God. He claimed to, to be the God in the flesh. He actually allowed people to worship him as God. Now, when you look at the list of the hundred most influential people in the world, there's not one of them that claimed to be God except Jesus. And folks, this tells us, that, that, that there's something to this man that walked the earth, who was God in the flesh, like the Bible tells us. 
He claimed to be God. He, was, uh, he entered human history and, and he lived this life and he, he was born in this miraculous way. Uh, he, he lived this life that was beyond compare that people that saw him said, who are you? you? You've got to be from God because no one can do what you do unless God were with him. That was the criticism that he had. That was the statement that was made about him. When he taught, he said, they, they said of him, you teach like one who has authority. This is Jesus. This is how he lived. This is how he taught. And then he went to the cross and he died. But then he rose from the dead. And this is what we're preparing to celebrate. Easter Sunday, the, the moment that Jesus rose from the dead. Now let's look back at Matthew 21. Open your Bibles and let's, let's, let's look at this passage, verses 1 through 11. You'll notice in your text, it says at the top, the, the triumphal entry. Because this is the triumphal entry of Christ into Jerusalem. It says, <clears throat> verse 1, now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once." Now, 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 this triumphal entry really is the beginning of the week that changed the world. And, and you've got to understand, let's understand the context here. It was, it was Passover time. So, so in Jerusalem, there were likely two million people that had come together for Passover. And, and, and this is the last week of, of Jesus' earthly ministry. And he makes this, this rare public statement as he, as he rides in on a donkey. Now, now, Jerusalem at Passover, for the Jews, it was this highlight. It was this moment of celebration. Now, you remember the Passover. That was the, the time they celebrated the, uh, the, uh, the, the victory over Egypt and, and leaving Egypt where the blood of the lamb was on the doorpost. And they were there to celebrate how God had moved in their lives. And to the Jews, this was a time of celebration. Now, to the Romans... This was a thorn in their flesh because they had to manage all these Jews coming together for this religious celebration. And what's interesting about this is this was the only time in Jesus' entire earthly ministry that he himself planned this public demonstration because Jesus planned it. And with all these thousands of worshipers uh, gathering, the text tells us that Jesus, he sends two of his disciples into the city to get two donkeys. Now, uh, this was a curious command for me. Uh, now, uh, I, I, we don't know how Jesus worked this out. I don't know how it all came together. But, but, um, but donkeys, you got to recognize, they were valuable assets. They really were. They, this would be like your car. Or your, uh, so it's almost like Jesus is saying, uh, look, go steal a car. It'd be like Brad Ayler saying, hey, Chris, uh, go to, into Reesers parking lot. There's going to be a, a red car with, a, with, a, um, with the keys in it. Why don't you just take it for me? And, uh, and don't worry, if somebody questions you going, dude, why are you still in my car? Uh, there, there will be, uh, just tell them the master wants it. And they'll be like, okay, no, no problem. Take my car. Uh, but I don't know how Jesus worked this out. 
But he tells his disciples, go. And, and what do they do? All right, Lord, I'll go. I'll, I'll tell you, that's the kind of disciple I want to be. I want to be the kind of disciple that when Jesus says, go, and it's something that's kind of crazy or that maybe you're not fully understanding, uh, that, that I don't have to know all the details, Lord. I'll just do what you say. And I'll tell you, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great lesson for us to learn here. As disciples of Christ, Lord, I don't have to know the, all the details, but I will follow you and do what you ask me to do. As, as a follower of Christ, I pray that that's how we live. Um, and, and, but it's interesting, as, as you look at this donkeys, okay, two donkeys, and, and, and we need to understand that, that, that we don't usually, like in our world, we don't usually associate a donkey with kingship. But, but I want you to see something. I want you to turn over to 1 Kings chapter 1. This is not on your screen uh, because this is just uh, for free, okay, for fun. 1 Kings chapter 1. I want you to look at verse 38. And, um, and, and we need to understand this is important because a donkey, they are, uh, they, they are this animal that kings rode on. You see in 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 38, so Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and the Cherethites and the Pelethites went down and had Solomon ride on King David's mule and brought him to Gihon. There Zadok the priest took the horn of oil from the tent and anointed Solomon. They blew the trumpet, and all the people said, Long live King Solomon. And all the people went up after him, playing on pipes and rejoicing with great joy, so that the earth was split by their noise. And what's amazing is you, you recognize that the Jews would recognize a donkey as a kingly animal. So it is no small thing for Jesus to, to come into the city, into Jerusalem, in this very rare public moment, riding on a donkey, on a colt. There's the mother and the, and the colt. Jesus is on the colt, and he's riding on the donkey. Look at verse 4. Why did this happen? Why did, why did this demonstration took, take place? Well, verse 4 tells us, this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. You see, I want you to turn over to, to uh, Zechariah 9.9. Now, point number one is this, and I want you to see point number one today as you turn to Zechariah 9.9. And I hope you have notes. Take, get a pen. Let, let's write these down, okay? These, they're going to be on the screen. They're on the Bible app. Uh, but, but I do want you to know, uh, write this down, because this is so important. Because as Jesus comes into Jerusalem, what you see, you see God executing an ongoing and detailed plan of salvation. And this is beautiful. This is important because Zechariah 9.9 says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. 
And what you see here is Jesus executing this plan of salvation in incredible detail. But, but I want you to know it's an ongoing plan of salvation. And, and this is what's beautiful, that, that Jesus come, like Matthew 5, 17 and 18. Jesus says, do not think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass away from the law until all is accomplished. And this donkey and this colt fulfilled Zechariah 9.9. And this is what's beautiful about this moment. Is, is this, as this donkey is, is carrying Jesus, he is fulfilling this prophecy. And, and I love it that every detail of God's word, he is faithful to fulfill. And I want you to know this is the reality of God. And, and in this deliberate act, Jesus boldly reveals two important things. Right now, in this moment, he is declaring his kingship. He is declaring the fact that he's the Messiah. This is the one thing that Jesus is declaring. This is what's amazing about Jesus. He claims to be God in this very act of him coming into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey, declares his kingship. And do you know what else he does? In this very act, he is publicly challenging the religious leaders. The, the religious leaders, they were opposing Jesus. They were frustrated with Jesus. They were plotting to kill Jesus. And in this moment, they decide, we're killing him now. And, and this is fulfilling the law of God. And this is something I want you to see, that, that when Christ comes to the cross, it's the fulfillment of the law of God. And it's a beautiful picture. Look back at Matthew 21, verse 6. I want you to see this. In verse 6, the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on, put, put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. And as he comes into the city, verse 8 tells us, that, tell, tells us, most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road and, cut other, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him, that followed him, were shouting. Look at what they were shouting. This is so amazing. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You know what's amazing? You know what's amazing about that statement? Uh, I want you to, you know what Hosanna means? It, it, Hosanna, by definition, means save now. That's what Hosanna means. These, the crowd is saying, save now. Lord, save us now. <clears throat> Which is, honestly, the perfect description of the cross and resurrection. Because, you know, when you think about <clears throat> the cross and resurrection, what, what that gives you and me the opportunity to experience is salvation right now. I remember when I came to Christ. I remember when Jesus called my name. And I was young, and I went upstairs in my, my house, and I talked to my mom. And my mom took the Bible and opened God's Word and let me know, Chris, Jesus can save you right now. And he did. And I want you to know something. In the midst of life and uncertainty, in the midst of a, of a world that's facing the reality of their own mortality, let me tell you something, Jesus can save you now. 
And this crowd articulates an amazing statement. And and here's what's unbeknownst to, to the crowd here in the first century. You see, they were saying, Lord, save us from the Romans. Lord, save us from these oppressors. But, but can I tell you something that, that you cannot miss? And if I can do my best to, to break down the barriers of our, of our webcast or our online experience and, and really get close to you, I, w- I want you to see this, that the Jesus didn't come to just deliver from the Romans. There is a greater enemy in the world. Satan hates us. Satan brings death suffering. This is the result of sin. And see, Jesus came to, to, to not on a physical conquest. He came for a spiritual conquest. That when Jesus Christ died on the cross, sin was defeated. Death was defeated. And folks, let me tell you something. The gift of eternal life is a reality. And I want you to know this world is not our home. And in the coming of Christ into Jerusalem, he came into Jerusalem not as an act of judgment, but as an act of mercy saying salvation is here. And when I think of suffering and, and difficult times, you realize that that's really a blessing because it reminds us that this world is not our home. This is not what we were made for. God is preparing a place for us. And it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a reality. Heaven is a reality. And folks, all these trials on earth are, are meant for, for us to remember that this world is not our home. And see, Jesus came to, to, to transform lives, and, and he's continuing to do this. And, and, and Christ came and defeated death and sin. And, and look at verse 10. I want you to see this. <clears throat> and when he entered Jerusalem... The whole city was stirred up. And what were they saying? Who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Now, point number two, let's do something. Let's consider the crowd. And and I want you to consider the crowd that day. In the crowd that day were, were, were growing disciples. There were disciples that were close to Jesus, and they were growing up. They were growing in their faith. They were growing to trust the Lord. They had watched him teach, and and God was preparing them for the greatest trial of their lives because he was going to die in front of them. And see, there were growing disciples. I look at our day right now. We're filled with growing disciples. God's church is growing. We're growing up. We're, We're learning to trust the Lord. Do you see how valuable this is? I mean, even though I was moved to tears today as I watched the pictures of our events and just our people, and I long for the days that we're back together physically. But but let me tell you something. God is growing us, and we're experiencing some growing pains. And right here, as, as Jesus was entering Jerusalem, there were growing disciples in the crowd. As he entered Jerusalem, there were curious onlookers in the crowd. They were curious about Jesus. Who is this guy? And they were even asking that question, who is it? Who is he? And you know, I think about, there, there may be some today, you're watching online, and it's easy to just pull up your computer, but you're a curious onlooker. 
Can I, can I tell you that that curiosity is from the Lord? And, and I pray you see him. I pray you see who he is. You recognize what he has done. You recognize what he is doing right now. There were curious onlookers in the crowd. You know what? In this crowd, there were, there were angry opposers in this crowd. You know, I, there were people that in this moment, as Jesus enters Jerusalem, that make a, a calculated decision. We are opposing him and we are going to seek to destroy him. And as I look at our world, boy, I hear opposers to Christ, opposers to our prayers, opposers to uh, what we're doing in, in the church. But let me tell you something. Look, if you're, a, if you're an opposer of Christ, do you know what? He loves you. He came for you. And, and you know what? Even in this moment, I pray he softens your heart to him. Oh, if you would just see him, I wish so bad I could just take my heart and put it in you for just a moment to help you feel the experience of being forgiven from the inside out. And, and see, there were opposers in the crowd. And, and I know today we're experiencing this trial with many people opposing the name of Christ. You know else, what else in the crowd? There are there are dismissive bystanders in the crowd. Uh, just, that's just another, another guy. And I know so many who are dismissive bystanders when it comes to our Savior. And this is why I pray, and I've prayed today, that, that somehow the barriers would be, would be torn down, not only just physically between us, but in your heart, that you would open your eyes to see who Christ is. And... And I think about how God has led us this year with our, our platform, 936. And, and I pray that we notice the crowds, that we pay attention to the crowds, though we're not around physical crowds too much right now. But let me tell you something. We are crowded on these, in these online spaces and our platform, 936, I would never have dreamed that our platform would have to be online but folks, let me tell you something. God has given each one of us as believers a platform, and it's my prayer, and all year long, before we knew what we were going to be going through, God has moved us to embrace this platform. That when, when Matthew 9.36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them for they, because they were harassed and helpless like, like sheep without a shepherd. And I know some of you may be listening today, and, and when, I, when, when you think about your life, it would fit to say, I am living like a sheep without a shepherd. And can I tell you, you there is a shepherd, a good shepherd. It's Christ, and he's come for you, and he loves you. And it's why I pray point number three is so very important. And I pray we don't miss it. Don't miss the question of the ages. Because when you look at this passage, there, there's a question of the ages. Look at verse 10. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, who is this? And this question, who is Jesus? Oh, let me tell you something. That is the question of the ages. And it's one I want to do my very, very best 
today to stand in front of you and, and, and see who he is. You know, I love what C.S. Lewis articulated because, you know, he, he communicated this reality about Jesus. Is, is, he's got to be one of these three things. He, if, he, if he's not who he said he was, he's got to be a liar. And, and this, is a, this is a question that, that many people have asked. Lord, Jesus, are you a liar? And if you're skeptic today, if you're here and you're an opposer today or you're a, you're a curious bystander today, all of, you have to face that question. Is he a liar? Because uh, most people say, oh, Jesus, he was a good man. No, he can't be a good man if he wasn't, wasn't who he said he was. If he wasn't who he said he was, he has to be a liar. Or is he a lunatic, C.S. Lewis says. Um, you know, he can't, he can't be a good man or a good teacher if, because he said he was God. This moment in Matthew 21 is him walking into Jerusalem or riding into Jerusalem proclaiming, I am the Messiah. So is he a lunatic? I don't think so. I think the, the big question to ask, like C.S. Lewis says, is he the king? Is he the king of all kings? See, I believe he is. I believe Jesus was right to, walk, to, to ride into Jerusalem on that donkey proclaiming that he's the Messiah. And people gathered and said, who is this man? Who is he? Well, it's Christ. He's the king of all kings. Now, the big question is this. Is he your king? And that's something I want to ask you. Is Jesus your king? Folks, this was a public demonstration. Matthew 21 is this public demonstration of Jesus entering to Jerusalem, proclaiming, I'm the Messiah. Don't you see who he is? Don't you see that he is the king of all kings? And, and see, Right now, we're living in these days where our world has been shaken up. And you know what? In this shakeup, God is speaking. And it's my prayer that you allow him to speak to you. Would you allow him to speak to you right now? And this entire situation, it reminds me of, of 1 Peter 2.11. Let me just quote it. It says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world... We're aliens and strangers in the world to, to live our lives as, as strangers here in reverent fear, it says. It says, abstain, 1 Peter, 1 Peter 2, 11 says, abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. It tells us to live such good lives among the pagans that though they may accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. And folks, 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12 points to the fact that there will be a day that Jesus will visit us. And folks, just like in, this, in Matthew 21, this was a public proclamation of Jesus entering, entering Jerusalem saying, I'm the Messiah. Can I tell you something? This virus, you know what it is? It's a, it's a birth pain. It's a, it's a reminder that there's going to be another public appearance of Christ. And this is an appearance that Jesus will, 
will come back. You know, in the last week of Jesus' life, Matthew 24 talks about what's going to happen in, in these days. And, and Jesus talks about the last days. And in, in the last days, it says that, that it will be marked by the Jews coming back to their land. And, and you know that happened in 1948 when it was the first time in a long time that the, the, the nation of Israel began to exist. Uh, Matthew 24, Jesus said in this last week of his life that, that in the last days there's going to be a dramatic rise in chaos and, and the world is going to lose hope for solutions. Folks, that describes our life in 2020. Um, you know, it's interesting as you look in the last days, it, it, Jesus, the Bible tells us that, that there's going to be a widespread and a, 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 a deterioration of morality, a breakdown of the family. 1 Timothy 3 talks about in the last days there will be times of difficulty because people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. They will be boastful, proud, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. And that's First Timothy or 2 Timothy 3. Folks, the Bible points to a, a day that Christ will have another public appearing. And it doesn't take rock, a rocket scientist to look at our world and recognize that this is exactly the way the Bible describes the last days to be. Now, I don't know when Jesus is going to return, and no one does. But let me tell you something right now. What I do know is that Hosanna is a reality. That saving salvation right now is available to you. And so it's my prayer that, that you recognize that, like, I, flip over with me real quick to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, because the Bible talks about these last days, that, and I want you to see what it says in 1 Thessalonians excuse me, chapter 4, verse 16. It says this, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command and the voice of the archangel with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these things. Folks, I, I gotta tell you today, there will be, there is an upcoming public appearance of Christ. Just like this first one, there will be a second one. And so that question of the ages is critically important. Who is Jesus? Have you answered that question? You know, I remember when God spoke to my heart and God moved me to answer that question. And I, and I came to admit that I was a sinner. And I said, Lord, I, I need you to save me. And he, and he did. And I, and, and I recognized, God, you love me. And you died on the cross for me. I, I, I came to recognize that, that Lord, you, 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 you can be my Savior. Has that happened to you? You know, we have people right now that will help you. 
God has put our church in your life today to help you know how you could have eternal life. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live like a sheep without a shepherd. There are people online that can help you. You could call the number that's on the screen and someone will answer it right now. There's a prayer request form that you could fill out and we will contact you. I want you to know, look, salvation is available right now. Have you answered that question, who is Jesus? You see, I've come to recognize that he is the king of all kings. And I've come to know the joy of him being my king. And I just want to stand in front of you as an ambassador for Christ, letting you know that Hosanna is a reality for you. Salvation right now is available to you. I want to pray for you. And then it's my prayer that you call and reach out to us. Even if you don't live close to us, reach out to us. Lord Jesus, I pray today, Lord, that your spirit would move. And Father, I I know, I know that there's some listening in this moment that they need salvation right now. And it's my prayer that you would give them the boldness to reach out. Father, that there would no longer be opposers to you or, or bystanders. But Father, there would be a draw to salvation right now. Thank you, Jesus, for entering Jerusalem in such a public way. And we long for the day that you return. Until that day, Lord, we will serve you faithfully, proclaiming the the hope that you have given to us and that you offer to the world. Lord, move us today. Move us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.